Welcome to Robin and Joa Save the World, One Book at a Time, a spoiler-free podcast sponsored by the good folks at Koros Books. That's Koros with a Q. Encore episode. Hello, everyone. I'm Joa. And I'm Robin. Welcome to the Robin and Joa podcast. Today, friends, today, we have an esteemed guest. We have the Safran Amati, author of the Lucas Rathbone Mysteries, and frankly, the self-publishing success we all want to be. She's an author. She's a graphic designer. She's an artist. She designs book covers. That's right, friends. Fabulous book covers. She's done some for me, and they're wonderful. And she's an all-around fabulous person. Welcome, Safran Amati. Welcome, Safran. Oh, How thank are you so today? Thanks for that lovely introduction. Oh, you're very <laughs> welcome. It is well-deserved. If you could tell us a little bit about the Lucas Rathbone Mysteries, please. Yes, tell us. Okay, so the Lucas Rathbone Mysteries are quite sort of traditional British murder mysteries set in 1920s England, um, except Lucas can see and speak to ghosts. So you'd think that would make it more easy to solve mysteries, but uh, that's generally not the case. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, and I, I kind of like to keep them quite lighthearted and keep, throw plenty of twists and turns in there. And um, yeah, I just I basically write the books that I want to read, which I, I, I hopefully that means that other people might want to read them too. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. We read them, and they're amazing. And can I just oh, say so? Uh, the very when I when I started reading um, the first novella, I bought the box set. By the way, and, and folks listening. There is a box set, and I highly recommend it. The box set for um, novels one, or, or yeah, the, the novella one through five. And it will take you through a series of mysteries in the Lucas Rathbone mysteries. And um, when I started reading it, Saffron, the, the very first thing I thought was so cute. And when I realized that Lucas can see ghosts, and I was like, you know, right away I wrote a note. I see dead people. And I just, <laughs> I thought, because I thought it was so clever. It was, it's, it's cute, it's, it's funny. Um, it creates like an additional layer of fun for the reader. You know, that now you have this, this person that is trying to solve mysteries, but they have um, ghosts that they see. And like you said, believe it or not, the ghosts sometimes are not very helpful. So I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so these are classified as cozy mysteries, which is interesting because while they're not scary and they're not gritty or gruesome, which is lovely, they're entertaining and wonderful. Sometimes I think of cozy mysteries as being kind of like sweet, you know, and maybe that's because there's that whole tradition now of like the baking cozy mystery and the restaurant cozy mystery and the tea cozy mystery, et cetera, et cetera. These friends are, I would say they are classic mysteries in the vein of Agatha Christie, but Saffron Amati has freshened them up with the twist of adding ghosts and the ghosts are, they don't behave. 
they're not predictable. <laughs> yes. They don't follow the rules. <laughs> and it's marvelous. Saffron, you have to tell us what was your inspiration? How did yes, you yes. how did you think of this? It's magical. Um, well, actually, there's a there's like a, a true crime thing called psychic detectives. And basically what they do is they get psychics. This is like a real, a real thing. And um and they get psychics to go around murder locations of like unsolved mysteries and try and connect with the with the uh spirits of the murdered person. And generally they they it's not very useful. But um like I, I appreciate the effort, but and I thought, oh well, you know, wouldn't it be so much easier if they were actually psychic, like a detective, if there was a police officer? Because originally Lucas was going to be a police officer and like the the I was gonna kind of columbo it. So, you know, like, you know, who did it first and then he's got to work out and like piece the clues together so that he can get a conviction. And then I thought, no, it's far more fun if like the ghosts are just really useless and unhelpful. And um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) basically. So uh, I sort of because I kind of went, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I went, no, it's, it's not a great idea. So I sort of put it away for a couple of months and thought about it and then sort of came up with this flipping flipping it around so that actually the ghosts are are there but they don't know who killed them or like they're lying to cover something up or or whatever you know and um it just sort of developed into what it is and I I, I'm not quite sure how (laughs) I love it and you know what and you made it you made it plausible um now to to have these ghosts be a little bit Inutil um, is the Spanish word. I forgot. Useless. There you go. Useless. Thank you. Damn it. You know, I'm sorry. When you're bilingual, sometimes you forget one word and don't forget the other one. Um, but yeah. So because the way that you explained it in one of the novellas is, is how they got they got killed, you know, right at the nick of time and, and they didn't see, so they don't know. And sometimes the ghosts, they carry misinformation along with them. You know, and then they pass that on to to Lucas, and it's and it's like so hilarious um, to watch this. And I'm gonna let um, Robin ask you one more question, but I really want to find out about Clara because I think she is such an awesome character. I yeah, I just lived through her um, through all of the novellas. It is fascinating. I'm glad you brought that up, Joa. It's very interesting that the title is the Lucas Rathbone Mysteries, but it's very clear that Clara is the star. I mean, Lucas Rathbone might be the engineer of this train, but Clara is the engine through and through. What was the inspiration for Clara? Yes, she drives it. Yeah, basically, I, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of raise the stakes a bit and kind of put a bit of a like I, I I knew that if I had like a romance going on then um like I could put her in danger and that would raise the stakes at some point um so that was kind of that and also I thought well you know I'm, I'm going to be pretty horrible to him so let's kind of keep him sweet by having a nice nice girlfriend in the mix somewhere um but uh yeah she kind of developed a life of her own as they all slightly did um but yeah she was just she was just there as a I don't know just as a foil for him I suppose because of course she can't see ghosts so he's got to explain everything to her Mm -hmm. which also makes it interesting 
but also ah. he, it means it means that he can hold back some information from her as well if he doesn't like if he doesn't want to give it to her, which is quite useful at times. Um, it's inter- It's interesting because it seems like they interpret the world for each other sometimes. Clara yeah. sometimes yeah. seems to interpret the real world for him and to encourage Lucas and to push Lucas into areas he's uncomfortable with, which is basically every, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not really happy with life in general. He's like a little <laughs> turtle stuck in his shell. That's what I yeah. noticed. And Clara kind of pulls him out. You know, so yeah. so was that intentional for you to provide Lucas with this character that can can do that? You know, like not, like a contradiction really. of him. <laughs> no, it just sort of happened. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't really know how that happened. I think I just sort of wanted that contrast, I suppose, between someone who was like I really like because a lot of the a lot of the psychic characters that I've seen in in books, they like they're really enthusiastic about helping the ghosts which is great obviously but I was like well I kind of want someone that doesn't want to do it you know and kind of needs a bit of encouragement to do it so I guess she's <laughs> there for that as well and Lucas um, needs all the encouragement by the way oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he needs a good good kick sometimes <laughs> he's that he's that begrudging uh main character so yeah readers if yeah. that is your thing for sure you know um read this book and it's just it's so funny to read and to watch you know because I have like this movie playing in my head when I read um yeah and I I love it I love it and you know when you said that how it was not intentional to create um Mm -hmm. uh Clara that way sometimes I think as we because Robin and I have talked about this before how we just Mm -hmm. write and rewrite right until like the story comes together for us yeah and and I think sometimes it's just that creative kind of genius or or persona that that creators have right that it's like you write something and unintentionally you know you draw from that creative genius that you have hence why you're an artist or writer and so forth you know and it just it it tells you what the story need and instinctively you do it and I think that that may be what happened here which is amazing for me the reader all the readers I, I find it fairly amazing as well because as I say I don't know how that happened <laughs> so but yeah she uh she she kind of she kind of ran away with it a bit I don't really know how but I sort of got about halfway through writing the second one and I'm thinking have I picked the wrong protagonist here I'm like no it's the Lucas Lasso mysteries now I've announced it as that so it's fine <laughs> it's just going to be that I think in some ways there's a strength to it the fact that the title of the book is the Lucas Rathbone mysteries and the fact that he's allegedly our main character, but Clara shines so bright. And I think that's kind of a genius. And I think that that adds to the story. So I think it's kind of brilliant. Oh, you should tell everyone Saffron. Oh yes. I planned it that way. (laughs) I definitely definitely planned it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it would just, it'd just be fun to have a protagonist who's slightly in the shadows. Tell them that's how you draw in readers, of course. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Bait and switch. (laughs) Bait and switch in the best way. These (laughs) books, we should mention, they're all set in 1920s London. 
and the setting is so brilliant and rich and well described without any hint of purple prose not at all but they're wonderfully atmospheric and when joa was talking and said that she could see these books as a movie absolutely absolutely and every time it's wonderful to you're very good with setting and scene description okay. and atmosphere, Saffron. You really, and perhaps that's because you're a graphic designer and have an artistic background. Maybe that lends okay, to it, yeah. that you look at the world in a way that's very beautiful. And then you're able to translate it to the page. That's lovely. Oh, thank you. Good on you, Saffron. Good on you. <laughs> yes, now, very good. Friends, I know we're talking about these books, but you might be wondering, hmm, I wish I could have a little taste of this. I wish I could try a little bit. Well, friends, you can. Saffron has you set up. If you go over to saffronamadi.co.uk. Now, friends, there's a hyphen. Watch it. Saffron, S-A-F-F-O-R-O-N hyphen a-m-a-t-t-i get those two t's dot co dot uk which will be linked both in the show notes and on our website no we don't have a website on our instagram <laughs> at robin and joa on instagram you will find that you can go to saffron's website and get a little free teaser or two if you sign up for her newsletter oh sign up friends you won't regret it sign up for her newsletter and then you can enter this beautiful world it is rich and deep and profound and interesting and not stressful. Again, these are mysteries. Technically, they're cozy mysteries, but I think of them as traditional mysteries without anything scary, <laughs> without yeah. anything that'll keep you up at night. These are great books to read before bed. These are great books to read anytime. And there are so many of them. Let's talk about white writing process. Saffron, you're working on your seventh your yeah. seventh if you could take us through your writing process and share the wisdom because you are the self-publishing phenomenon we all want to be <laughs> tell us how you do it tell us share your secrets please um well it it basically involves a lot of brainstorming right at the start and then in the middle when all the characters run off and do different things and then i have to recalibrate and uh, start over to work out how to get to the end that i've planned but uh, it, it generally works out but um basically i sort of start off with one idea um so like either i'll have an idea for a type of character that i want to kill uh, which sounds vicious but you know what i mean and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's um, how she starts <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or or I'll think of like an interesting way to kill someone, which again sounds awful, but uh, and <laughs> but then I'll sort of like <laughs> spin it out. I've, I've literally got an entire notebook of uh, of ways to kill. I really hope I'd never have to. <laughs> but um, I'm like I'm a writer, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I started with what whatever idea I've got, and I sort of like try and piece in the. The, the bits around it so like if I start off with a with a murder method I sort of go well how could someone have got hold of that thing if it's like a poison or something so like how could they have got hold of that particular poison and how could they have, like given it to the victim and then why have they killed the victim and uh how are we going to hide it and like muddy the waters and that sort of thing and so it's like it just sort of spins out but like I generally don't get it right first time so I like have probably about six to 10 possibilities for all of those things before I go, oh no, that that worked well. But I just sort of 
don't worry too much about it. I don't put too much pressure on any of it. It's just a case of seeing where it ends up. And then eventually one will go, yes, this is this is the one. And then we sort of spin it out from there and do the same thing until like the next piece falls into place. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. Oh, it, it makes actually it makes brilliant sense. And now I'm a little bit afraid of you because you have a notebook of how to kill people. <laughs> All of my friends and family have been very nice to me lately, you know. I, I would imagine. I bet you get yeah. great Christmas presents. I was going to say that, yeah, Christmas is amazing for her. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is the timeline about, just roundabout, how long do you think it takes, Saffron, from you starting to write a first draft to publishing Ooh, about well, about how long it very much depends on how long it is um because i've done short stories novellas and novels so obviously they're all very different um and how, how distracted i get in between <laughs> because i'm very good at going all right so i've got this idea and i've got it all like planned out and then i'll get another idea and i'll go and do this because like book seven i started about 18 months ago and then I thought oh I'm going to write a like a little Christmas novella which turned into a full novel so <laughs> that uh, that happened um and then I've written like a serialized story which is on the website and I've written a load of short stories which I've published but this book seven still isn't done so uh that's that's fun but uh if I concentrate I can probably probably get it done in three or four months for a novel if I properly knuckled down and focused properly from start to finish and didn't get distracted. But the chances of me not getting distracted are slim. So <laughs> as <laughs> as I think as I think Robin knows, because I think I, I talk to you about projects I've got on sometimes and I just rattle off a whole list of things. <laughs> you probably terrify. Um but also I know you're the same, you you like to have multiple things on the go, don't you? So a very oh very much so it's catching up with me a bit now but yes very very much so i like multiple projects yeah. you know saffron uh your time frame considering the fact that you are the author you self-edit brilliantly you write really clean copy friends i have had the privilege yes of doing some early reading not early reading but pre-publication reading for saffron and she her copy is so clean you look for things to comment on and can barely find them it's it's quite actually impressive saffron and then she's doing the book cover design it's not like she has someone else doing that in the wings while she's editing or some such so it's it's terribly impressive i must say that you can do that in a three to four month timeline i mean that's really brilliant oh pat yourself on the back saffron buy yourself lunch. yes kudos kudos what kind um, of things distract you if you don't mind sharing uh, <laughs> generally different story ideas mm, very, yes very good at coming up with story ideas and going oh yes that would be good and then like chasing after that for a little while and then going okay, well, that's done now. So uh, let's get back to this one. And then I've got another idea and I'll chase after that one. And this is this is why this current book I'm working on has taken 18 months or more, more, more actually. I think I started. Is this the book that's taken the longest for you? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's better. <laughs> I'd love to think it would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've, I've, I also know that I've made a few mistakes on this one, but because, well, I think also what happened with this one is uh, I, I changed the ending of the previous book 
from what I'd planned. Like I changed it quite drastically, which of course messed up the plan that I got for this book. So I had to kind of work out what what was going on there and change literally everything. I had to just to like throw that that outline away. So I kind of had to start over and work out what could have happened instead because um it it just it just completely changed. <laughs> so I think that I don't think that helped because I was like, well, this isn't what I planned, you know, as I'm writing. I got in a bit of a tangle with it, to be honest. So oh. I'm currently untangling it in the edits which are there's there's more there's more blue ink on the page and there is like printed <laughs> so nothing wrong with that nothing wrong oh with no that. Uh, no no it's just uh it's just a little terrifying because i'm looking at it and going oh, God, the computer now. <laughs> i am I'm, I'm fairly vicious when it comes to ed- like i write fast but i i do a lot of editing so ah so do you edit as you go or you go no. and then edit yeah, I go and then edit. Okay, okay, smart. Um, okay. Yeah, because then I'm like, well, if I've got to the end, then I know what's going on. And sort of sometimes things change towards the end, and I'm like, well, I've got to put that back in uh, earlier, or I've got to, like, hint at it. Yes. That kind of gets done in in the edits. But I suppose, I, I mean, I'm not very good with the terminology, so it could be that that's basically a second draft. But instead of starting over and writing everything from scratch, I just go back through and I change everything, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't you, know what you call it. <laughs> you're molding the story. And that's yeah. how I look at it. You know, when you do rewrites like that, I think Robin and I have both done stuff like that. I know on the one that I'm writing right now, that's that's what I'm doing. It's just molding the story yeah. uh, to make it make sense. And yeah, yeah. So that's that's totally legit. Going back, you know, because you I, I feel like the very first go around or one of your earliest drafts is like the writer is just telling the story to themselves, right? And yeah. then you get you get to the ending and you're like, ah, so this is the ending for this story. And then, yeah. then you go back and maybe you want to foreshadow or you want to put something on a character, you know, to kind of like reflect that ending a little better as the yeah. reader, you know, goes through the beginning and then the middle and then the third act. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's that intuitive process that uh, craft books like to write down in steps. But I think some writers have it just naturally. Um, yeah. as natural s- storytellers, um, which writers are. But yeah, I mean, it's impressive. And can I just say on the Lucas Rathbone mysteries, you kept me guessing. I thought, because I know it's a mystery, right? So I start reading yeah. it and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is, you know, yeah, I already, yeah. already have the end. I need, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then I'm like, especially on the last one, I was like, what? That's not what I expected. So it's like, it just, <laughs> it threw me for a loop and it was, it, it's good, you know. Um, yeah, because it just it, it keeps me thinking, right? Um, and, and yeah. figuring things out as I go. So amazing. However, it is oh. that you're molding your story as a reader. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. It is amazing, and your productivity is amazing. I think a lot of us struggle with output, with distraction, as you have acknowledged, and competing stories. Yeah, competing stories. We 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 just love a story, don't we? We love a new story. I wonder, Saffron, you've mentioned in interviews, particularly with Katya, <laughs> writing, yeah. writing things, Katya, uh, that you've considered dabbling in sci-fi. This oh. intrigues me to no end. What kind of sci-fi book would you write? Oh, yes. Um, 
it oh, I did have a like I sort of like wrote down a rough outline years ago so it's just like when I before I okay I um I decided that I wanted to write something but I didn't know what so I like wrote down ideas for various things and one of them was a sci-fi thing um and I think it was like there was like a space space station type thing and there were getting people up from earth like populate it and it was all like this beautiful utopia and this that and the other but there was like a dark underside to it and then like sort of like basically if you went there and you decided you want to go back home you weren't allowed and you were sort of like um assassinated basically and uh but I can't I, I don't think I had an ending to it which is probably why I didn't write it but um oh and I also had a like a an alt history sci-fi thing that was uh absolutely nuts and like it was involved time travel and uh (laughs) yeah but the thing is I don't read enough sci-fi to know all the tropes to hit them um to hit them accurately so I've got these ideas what I really want is I I want someone to write these things for me so that I can read them (laughs) (laughs) but I don't want to write them I sometimes wonder because you can really write you are very very talented and that is not just my opinion friends go take a look on goodreads or on amazon and go take a look at saffron amati's reviews read her reviews you will be humbled <laughs> they're brilliant i, I you, really am humbled <laughs> you have probably the most consistently awesome wonderful reviews of anyone i know really that's true yeah you have great reviews and again friends you can see those on goodreads or on any amazon and look up her books saffron amati the lucas rathbone mysteries now back to the sci-fi because i am really interested in this (laughs) with your with your ability saffron to write something atmospheric and to create i want to read about your utopia like i'm really fascinated about that even if it were just a short story or a novella i want to i'm hungry for that <laughs> i want to read that please <laughs> if I, write it if I, if I ever get around to it i will uh, uh you will be the first to read it i was gonna say I'm that honored. that utopia has a twist you heard it it's it's a little dark in there in that utopia yeah. so i think that's that's gonna make it a whole lot interesting and maybe that that little twist right where it's like you think it's it's all good you know and unicorns and rainbows and sparkles yeah. and then you go in and you're like oh shoot they get shot in the head if they if they try to go back to earth yeah. you know yeah I, I love that i think that's an interesting story oh please 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 take it a moment so i can be <laughs> <laughs> as i say i don't i don't have enough like sci-fi knowledge to really do it justice so i don't uh yeah yeah, yeah. It, it sounds to me it sounds like um a little bit like space opera which is uh, yeah. a, a subcategory out there i think i read yeah, a ya one yeah. yeah yeah i read a ya one of the loneliest girl in the world and oh yeah uh, yeah and it sounded it it, it kind of like hit those those tropes of, of, of alone yeah. and at first you think everything is good but then you realize everything is not good and it's yeah. so creepy <laughs> I love that so Saffron in your in your spare time yes you're hanging around the house you're having yeah. a cup of tea a lovely yeah. cup of tea what cup do of you tea. read what do you read for enjoyment what do you read for pleasure um well lots of Agatha Christie's um because you can't really go too far wrong with an Agatha Christie 
I also like uh, P.G. Woodhouse or Wodehouse. I never quite know how to say his name, but like Jeeves in Worcester. Um, and I love Terry Pratchett. Um, like I basically grew up as a teenager reading Discworld. Um, and I think maybe that comes through by the fact that like some of what I what I write is quite funny. Maybe I think it's funny. It makes me laugh. I think um, it's funny too. <laughs> like, but I I always feel a bit big headed saying yeah yeah it's funny. But like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of like try and get a bit of humour in there as well as a bit of a. But I maybe that's just because that's what I kind of am used to reading. So maybe that just kind of happened naturally. I basically don't think too much about any of it. So I just sort of write. But yes, I that's that's kind of my main thing. So I, I obviously like mysteries. Um uh, I read a lot of nonfiction as well, actually, just like basically anything. I'm ba- I'm pretty interested in the world in general. So most things I will try reading. Lots of history. Ooh. Mm. And do you watch the the documentary show Psychic Investigators? You know, I had to Google it when you were talking about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've watched I've watched a few of them, but I've not watched any in a while. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it now that you mentioned it. I was like, because it, it's it's like real. They get yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. As I say, I don't know how much is actually. I mean, I'm I'm very skeptical about all these sorts of things. Um, which you might not think, given that I write about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a skeptical believer. So, uh, I know how much do they get paid, you know, and are they well, really, really bringing in, you know, the the killer yeah, or um, you know the resolution to the case? Yeah, that's it. And it's sort of like, well, you know, if they're being paid to be there, then they're kind of expected to perform, aren't they? But you know, um, but I mean, some, sometimes they do come up with some quite impressive things, and you're like, well, if that's if that's genuine, that's impressive, you know. But as I say, I'm skeptical about all of these things. Like I watch the ghost hunting programs and stuff as well, and I'm like, oh that's yeah, cool, that's very cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm like, but I'm also like, well, I know they can do it in movies, so you know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's, it's all possible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've had I've had spooky experiences myself, so it's not like I'm like completely not believing any of it. But Ooh, uh, you, Saffron, you can't say that and then not I, specify. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're I mean, close I'm, to Halloween I'm, here. You gotta specify. Oh, they're not. They're not spook, like they're not scary, scary things. It's just like I've uh, I've sort of seen things and gone, oh, okay, that's not like um. I used to work in a shop where, like, the stock would sometimes throw itself horizontally across the room. <gasps> Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Oh. Really cool. Um. <laughs> but uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it wouldn't just like drop off a shelf. It would fly about three foot. Shut up! And it wasn't just me that saw it. Like I'd be there with two or three different people, and it happened. Or like all the ribbons would fall off the shelf or something because it was it was a craft supply shop. So it'd be like pens throwing themselves across the room, and we had embroidery hoops flying across the room. So that was that's an angry ghost. No, we think (laughs) what what happened. It was there was actually a photo of a guy from like nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. We think. We didn't know who he was, but um, like, if stuff started throwing itself around, we'd go and we'd look for this photo, and usually it had fallen over, so he couldn't see the shop. So we'd prop it back up, and then everything would calm down again. 
so we we think he just likes to know what's going on <laughs> that's amazing oh my god yeah i mean you gotta believe and stuff yeah oh god that is so yeah. cool yeah but it wasn't creepy and like never felt scary or anything it was just oh okay the the, the guy's fallen over let's go pop him back up again <laughs> But yeah, we don't we don't know we don't know who he was. It was just cool. That is an awesome story in and of itself. Yeah. Okay, I used to work at an office where yeah. randomly the doors would open and close. Uh, you would see sometimes there would be paper. This is hard to describe, but it would almost be paper like blowing down the hallway but there weren't any windows and there wasn't any breeze and the paper would kind of travel the length of this very long hallway and it was very long it was like oh maybe you know like 300 feet or something it was very oh, long yeah and the paper would just and you couldn't stop it like you couldn't catch the paper you couldn't put your foot on the paper or anything mm -hmm. other things too would move around yeah. and we discovered because it was a little scary because sometimes yeah. we would be working there at night you know and you never yeah. wanted to be there alone at night but then someone did some talking to the owners of the building and we found out of course it was an old building that there had been someone working there when it used to be a, a recording studio mm -hmm. in the 1940s, I believe. And they had passed away there under curious circumstances um, that at first they had thought it was a suicide, but then maybe it wasn't and it yeah. was never kind of resolved. So they gave us his name and when he was being well, we thought of it as naughty, but I guess when he was wanting attention, if you yeah. called out his name and told him to, uh, you know, behave, everything is okay, then he would stop. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. You guys have me looking behind my shoulder right now, and I have cats in the house, and they're making all this noise, and I'm thinking he's ghost. <laughs> yeah. And it was the kind of thing when I started working there, other employees warned me, and I was quite certain that this was yeah, not but, real yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah <laughs> well that's it you're you don't think it's you don't think it's real until you see it sort of thing do you it's so and true stuff. and it's yeah. interesting how even when stuff like that is happening you kind of feel the energy like it didn't yeah. feel like a threatening energy ever no. no but do you guys get the cold shiver thing as it's described in in books um I don't think I've had it like when I've sort of gone, oh, yeah, that was a spooky experience, but I have had it. So maybe it's like when you walk through a ghost, but you don't realize. I don't know. Oh exactly God. the same. Yeah. At the time at that office, I didn't have the cold thing, but yeah. um, other times I have definitely. Yeah. Also, that place I worked was so cold and drafty anyway, you wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> It was, it's um it's a really really old it was, used to be a um a lace mill um so like making lace back in the end of the 18th century so it was like really old and drafty and uh, damp wow so, uh, yeah so as i say you you could you could have been walking through ghosts all the time you wouldn't think it's just like oh there's a draft <laughs> so, yeah. can i just say that Doing this interview with you, Saffron, you are a mystery yeah. writer and you write mm -hmm. about ghosts and talking yeah. about real life experiences. 
You guys have made like my entire year. This is <laughs> this is oh, amazing. It's like who else would I would like to talk about ghosts than with a cozy mystery writer? That right yeah. about it as well. This is this is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Big hugs to you. Just want oh, to say that. Oh. <laughs> so where is your favorite place to write, Saffron? I'm gonna guess somewhere without ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just just wherever really i mean as long as i've got a laptop i can generally write anywhere you know or or my phone and a folding keyboard which is like the best thing ever if you guys don't have a, a like a folding bluetooth keyboard uh like so you can write on your phone i definitely recommend getting one it's like the best thing I, I own yeah oh i need to get one yeah uh, same i need to get one yeah, and it's just like it's amazing because I can just sit on the sofa and like set up my phone on a phone stand thing and just sit with it on the lap uh, with the keyboard on my lap and just go oh there we go that's sorted and so like I've not got to bother getting the laptop out and setting it up and it's on the other thing. So. Oh, that's that's amazing. Right. I'm, I'm a lazy writer. <laughs> like, no, no, I think <laughs> kind of the opposite actually. That's I think so quite mobile, the mobile-ish and productive i i love it yeah. i love anything that's mobile that you can take it and go and and produce that yeah. is amazing yeah and so you don't require silence to write then you can write in any environment pretty much yeah um yeah i mean i i prefer silence or like just background noise like um sort of wave sounds or rain sounds or something like that but um i don't i don't I'm not too fussy really like so long as I can think I can write <laughs> which is quite good so like not like ticking clocks annoy me but other than that but I think, I think just because it's quite regular <laughs> ticking clocks that's funny yeah, yeah it's a really random but like yeah ticking clocks have always annoyed me <laughs> <laughs> ticking clocks are annoying oh, that is so true yeah. so if you let's say there was not a current pandemic of any kind yeah. would you be a writer and would you be the person in the cafe writing all yes. day or would you be at home or i've never written in a cafe i really ought to just what? try it sometime with but, a yeah. little beret on your head you know <laughs> no your little pinky up and you're holding a teacup no yeah no. <laughs> well she's in britain not in paris you know Okay, wrong country, wrong country, sorry. It's close, it's close. <laughs> no, I've so far I've not written in a cafe, but maybe I'll have to try it sometime because I've I've heard it's a it's a good thing, like just being around people. But I, I'm, yes. I'm people watch. My own. Yeah. So I quite like my own company anyway, so it doesn't bother me being on my own. Oh, so much the same. I, I yeah. so much the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. The only the thing sometimes about writing in a cafe that's interesting, though, is that sometimes, you know, you catch these little bits of someone else's conversation as they're yeah. walking by or, you know, if they're sitting ne next to you yeah. and it can be so wonderfully inspiring, yeah. uh, so wonderfully inspiring. But it can also be so wonderfully distracting. <laughs> we call it ear hustling over here. So we be ear hustling in the cafes over here. Yeah. Oh, ear hustling. All right, then. Ear mm -hmm. hustling. Hmm. I'm also very jealous, Saffron, that you were employed in a craft store, because oh. as you know, from reading uh, a certain mystery of mine, 
Well, <laughs> I do love a craft store. I don't. I don't know what it's called anymore. So, have you cha- have you changed the name of your mystery? Oh Where God. Uh, let's see. It was Purple Snow. Yeah. It was. It had so many names. <laughs> now I tried to think of some new names. <laughs> it's its own yeah. poor sad saga. Yeah. It will come out eventually with who knows what name. The it, it, yeah. I, I yeah. I'm a good writer and not a good titler, I believe. I believe I'm one of those people who might be title deficient. <laughs> I'm with you. What? You come up with our titles and they're really good. <laughs> Thank you, Joa. Um, but titles I think, for I think episodes. The titles, like the hardest part. Yes. Yes. The title. Yeah. Sometimes I, I feel like you have to finish the story. Yeah. to kind of like gauge what what the title should be because you want something that kind of tells the reader a little bit what the story is about but creative as well and um and, and hooky where you can hook them um yeah because sometimes that's all that they get right um they make decisions within seconds based off of the cover and the title i know i do i sometimes i don't even read the blurb to be yeah. honest with you um but a cover and a title will will get me every time yeah and that's the pressure right there that I think <laughs> no keeps pressure. me a little bit stuck. Yeah, a, a title with a good hook, a title that says something about the story, a title that makes you want to read the story. I can't take it. <laughs> Saffron, <laughs> you changed your titles, though. You changed several of your titles. Yes. Well, when I um, when I first started, I was like, well, I want to keep the keep the titles kind of like they're in a series. So, like, because they all go called the Ghost of something. So like I think the first one was the ghost of a story and then it was the ghost of jazz and then it was the ghost of yes. revenge and so on and so forth. And then I was like, well, they don't really sound like it's less about the ghosts and it's more about the murders. So let's uh, let's kind of change that around. So I changed it to things that sound more like murder mysteries. So and, and also which you, I, you made it into a unifying theme, I think. Yeah. So that way they all go together. Yeah. I think I I I like my new titles better. I think, but I do kind of miss the having the like the the link in the title. If you see what I mean, so they might get two I, new titles sometime. <laughs> but that's not on the plan. I, no, that's not on the plan yet. <laughs> I like that though. I, I like your current titles because um, just thinking about people coming in without knowledge of your work, yeah, I, I do think it it leads it leads them in the right direction toward thinking about murder mysteries because yeah. you could get confused to think that your books are paranormal stories and that would yeah. be totally misleading. They're not paranormal stories, friends. They are murder mysteries that have little helpful slash unhelpful <laughs> ghosts <laughs> who are often comic relief, who are often just so fresh and clever and creative. And what stubborn. a wonderful element. <laughs> mm, love the ghost. Question. Yeah. Yes. Drafting or mm-hmm. editing, which is more enjoyable? Drafting or editing, what do you think? See, I kind of enjoy them both in different ways. So, like, I enjoy drafting because it's just, like, I can just let it go and sort of see where it ends up, and um, it's quite exciting. Whereas editing I enjoy because it's taking it's taking what's quite rough and making it into a better shape, and I find that quite satisfying. Like, I find it quite rewarding to go well it didn't start out looking like this but it looks much better now I don't know I don't think there's one that I prefer 
like there's not one that I'd go yes I would happily get rid of this part of those two things um because I enjoy doing both you love your children equally (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it is a bit like that but like differently as well Mm -hmm. when it's published Yes. Is that your, are you publishing generally, just in general, your third draft, your fourth draft, your fifth draft? Oh, good question. It's been a while since I put out like a, like a big book. I think the last full length novel I've put out was the Christmas one last year. So about a year ago. And I think that was probably the fourth or fifth Passover that I did it. So like I, I did the first draft and then I edited it and then I edited it again. And then I think I sent it to you, Robin. And then I think I did a couple more, like, final tweak bits. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I sent you, like, what was nearly done, and I think you just did a couple of... See, I've been to bed since then. I can't remember these things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Only a few down the line. It's It's not anywhere close to... I mean, like, the one I'm working on at the moment... I think I'll get this edit done. I'll read through it. I'll give it another edit. And then I'll start sending it out to beta readers, I think. And then obviously I'll make whatever tweaks need doing there. And then a final pass to like make sure everything's not misspelled or in the wrong place. So I've somehow added a couch and then they've disappeared or anything like that. Um, so yeah, probably four or five goes over it. Maybe. It- It's quite impressive, again, with your, I know you've been taking longer on book seven, but that's a total rewrite. So that's something differently entirely, but that you're able to move so quickly and move so many through so many drafts. I have a theory personally. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone says, oh, you know, do you want to read my book? And I say, oh, well, how many, what draft is it that you've published? Yeah. If someone says like second draft, I've heard yeah. first draft, by the way, friends. Um, oh. I'm always like, hmm, what am I going to get here? So I do, I, I, this is my opinion. And it's just my opinion for me. I'm not a clean writer, by the way. My first drafts are dreadful, dreadful <laughs> nightmares. My first drafts, I often say, require translation. <laughs> They're so bad. So from my messy first drafts into a real book, for me, not being a fast writer at all, is generally three or four drafts. And then to polish it and make it, I want to say beautiful, but (laughs) I'm hopeful that my work is readable, at least. That's another few more drafts. Oh, thank you, Saffron. Tell the people, please save me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah. So what would you like to see more of in books in general? As you read Saffron, as you walk through the world, is there anything you'd like to see more of in books? Fresh ideas, different mm-hmm. circumstances, uh, new situations. Anything strike you? Um, see, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I've not really thought about it. Just like really properly fleshed out characters because I've read some books and it's like that, that character is so indistinguishable from like all the others because they're all the same. And that drives me nuts. Um, so I'd like better, better characters, which sounds really awful, but I, I hope you guys know what I mean. Um, Not awful at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I I tend to read quite like old books, so maybe I'm not really the best, <laughs> best person to ask for that. 
because uh yeah I, 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 I end up with my head in like the 20s and 30s and 40s a lot so but I think you've said something quite brilliant, which is better fleshed out characters. Mm. Something that I notice uh, from time to time is in some novels, there's a lot of time, a lot of words dedicated toward the physical description of a character, a lot of words, yeah. and very little to creating a depth of character. Yeah. And just like you said, uh, someone is talking and we don't know who it is if there's not a tag because yeah. they all seem the same. I actually yeah. think that's kind of a f something very brilliant and insightful that you've said. I, I think that is something that would improve almost every book, really. <laughs> um, yeah, good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. to that. <laughs> you see, Saffron is very humble, but she's also very brilliant. <laughs> Saffron is like the true genius, friends. And oh. if you're not following her on Instagram, at Saffron Amati, at Saffron.Amati on Instagram, you, what are you doing with your life, friends? What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Remember that she is a graphic artist. So when you follow her and you check out her feed, it would be the opposite of my my feed, chaotic, <laughs> insane. Her feed, organized, lovely, beautiful, really beautiful. And it looks like on purpose. It looks like a thoughtful adult did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know why that is? It's because it's so much easier to just like copy and paste my old, uh, my old posts and redo them. <laughs> So you it, it are looks, far too humble, Saffron. Nice uh, it looks so nice and coordinated, but basically it's all the same because it, I don't have to think about it then. Oh, I just, oh, it's gorgeous. It is. And I love, is it on Sundays when you ask people to mention one nice thing from their week? Is that your yes. Sundays? Yeah. yeah. That's that often is so lovely. nice. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so thoughtful. Why? I basically just started doing it at the start of all the lockdowns and I was like, everything's, everything's dreadful. Let's try and remember what's nice about life. And like, even if it's something small, um, because I was like, well, cause I mean, I was feeling pretty glum about everything as I think everyone else was. And I was like, well, people cheer me up a bit, please. <laughs> but it, it sort of turned into something that like, but because of course, I don't know about you guys, but like when everything seems to be dreadful in the world, like it feels a bit wrong to, be like oh well I had a really nice time talking to my friend or like I I, I treated myself to some new nail polish or something you know it, it feels wrong to celebrate small wins when everything is basically dreadful and on fire um and I was like well let's get people remembering that it's nice that life is pretty good regardless of what's going on outside I don't know oh, I, I love that to help people it yeah. Me. yeah, it forces you to to hunt something good that happened in, in your yeah. either that day or, or that week or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it helps people see that not everything is negative. And that's that's yeah. very important. Yeah. Yeah. And plus it's stuff that you don't necessarily talk about in public. Um, maybe because it feels like bragging, or maybe because you just don't want to talk about it or maybe because you don't think anyone's going to be interested but like I love hearing about what other people have been doing that's like nice so like, people have been telling me when their kids are going off to college or when like um someone's got a new cat or something and it's it's just like that's not necessarily something that they'd share apart from the fact that I'm specifically asking for it do you know what I mean and it's like it's yes. so nice to find out extra bits about people's lives 
Yes. And yeah. I was going to say, if you're not a complete psychopath, um, listening yeah. to other people's um, good things that happen to them also makes yeah. you feel happy as well. You yeah. Know? Even though it didn't happen to you, just just reading it or listening to it uh, gives you a little that warm feeling inside. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just such a nice thing to do. Like, as I say, I, I sort of intended to keep it going for well, in fact, I didn't intend to keep it going at all. Please. I was like, well, that was so much fun last week, so let's do it again. And then I was like, oh, well, it was fun last week, so let's do it again. So it's just sort of continued. Um, yes. But yes. yeah, it's really nice. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I accidentally decided to do it, you know. Oh, I'm so glad you did it, and I'm so glad you continued it. And I'm yeah. so glad you're continuing it now Yeah. in these kind of up and down times where we almost you know are we are we still in the pandemic are we mm -hmm. we don't have restriction now now we do have restriction now we don't have restriction that's how it is in ireland i don't know in britain do you have are you still under restriction saffron um not not really we're still advised to do various bits and bobs but we're not under any major restrictions and like i think there's some restrictions as to how many people you can have in venues and things like that but Seeing as I don't, I don't leave the house, so it doesn't really affect me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> relatable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we are about as back to normal as we're going to get for a little while. But also, they keep going. Well, we might need to bring restrictions back in again. So again, it's still a, it's still a bit up and up in the air. So we will see. We will see what happens. We will see. Like you, I don't leave the house and I'm perfectly, <laughs> I've learned in the pandemic that I'm a bit of a hermit. Yeah, <laughs> same. I think, I think hermits get a bad name. And so I'm going to start a club. Hermits are cool. Can nothing, I join? Yeah, oh. nothing wrong with that. We can survive a zombie apocalypse if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be pretty cool. Going on. Be like, oh, well, we've not been out of the house in three weeks. Where's everyone gone? <laughs> i know you come out of your house and you're like why why is it so quiet outside why yeah happen? oh it's lovely it's <laughs> goodness thank you so much saffron for joining us today oh, we really appreciate it it's been a delight talking to you hearing about your writing process i can't wait to follow you on instagram continue following you on instagram obviously yeah. And see more. Hopefully, you'll share more about your writing process with us because I think you're a bit of a unicorn, even if you don't know it yet. I think you're a bit of a unicorn. And I think the future is very, very bright for the Lucas Rathbone mysteries. Someday we're going to see them just everywhere. Read her reviews, friends. Check out saffron amadi.co.uk. Check her out on Instagram at saffron.amadi. If any of these quick read addresses have passed you by just check our instagram or check the show notes have a lovely day bye 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 bye